So we're going to go into the sermon and uh, I'm going to call up Phil to come and talk to us. It's the second part of our Holy Spirit series and uh, we should be expectant for God to speak to us and to move in our midst. The scripture says that where two or three are gathered, he's here, right here in our midst and he's here to speak to us. So Phil, can I just pray yeah. for you? Uh, Father Lord, we thank you for Phil. We thank you for such a blessing that he is to us uh, as he goes into the scriptures and he talks to us today. We pray for your anointing upon him, that he will speak your very word to God and that they will bring enlightenment to our hearts. Mm. And Father Lord, we'll be changed for being in your presence. Mm. Amen. 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 Good morning, friends. It's lovely to see your smiling faces. Most of you are smiling at me. The rest of you are obviously not happy that I'm sitting in front of you. No, I'm kidding. Um, wonderful. Well, this morning, as Tola has already said, we are continuing our Holy Spirit preaching series, which is great, isn't it? Yes. yes. Um, it is good for us. It is good for us to look at the character of God. If you were with us uh, six months ago, we went through the character of God, attributes of God, and um, touched on this very topic. Some of you, you've been a Christian for years, and so uh, a lot of this won't be new. Um, some of you have been a Christian for just a couple of months or so, and so this might be a bit new, um, but it's straight out of scripture and that is you know this is our plumb line isn't it this is our measuring stick by which everything stands or falls by um if the word of god says it then uh, then we need to pay attention to it and think about it um so luke did a wonderful job last week introducing us into the series looking at the spirit of promise the promised spirit god was going to deliver his spirit to give his spirit oh thank you rachel This week, um, again, it's, it's a bit more of an overarching who is the Spirit of God week. And uh, actually, I'd love us to pray. Tola just prayed for me. Thank you. <laughs> I need it. But um, this is the character of God. This isn't, this, isn't, this isn't playground talk. This is the character of God. Um, and so I want to pray that I speak helpfully and well and right and I want to pray that you hear what is good. Um, so Lord, we just pray. Now we come before you um, reverently. Lord, many times in your word it says that you know, this, the, your people would come before you in fear and trembling. You invite your people to come before you, but in fear and trembling, not because you're nasty, but because you are the Lord, you're God, you're almighty God. So this morning, uh, we come reverently. And uh, Lord, I just pray, please, um, please help me as I speak uh, from Scripture. Help me speak your word, uh, speak truth. Um, and Lord, I pray that as, as I speak, Lord, what is good, what is, what is helpful, what is true, Lord, you'd land that in our hearts. Uh, Lord, we, 
Lord, we want to be open before you this morning, each one of us, and say, Lord, would you speak to me? I pray, Father. And so even as we spend the next uh, little while looking at your word, I pray, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you speak to us? We love you, Lord. You are our God and our King. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to get straight into it. So, <clears throat> if you've got a Bible, most of the stuff I'm going to be saying to you this morning is from, it's from the Bible, yes, it's from the ESV, so if you've got a different translation, wonderful. Um, but if it's got slightly different words, that's because I'm holding the ESV and you're not. <laughs> um, in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Christians in Corinth, a city in Turkey, says, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Apostle Paul understood something. He's got a whole breadth of scriptural knowledge before he became a Christian. He was a Pharisee. This guy knew his stuff about God, the God of the Jews. Um, and so he's fully informed as he speaks to these people. He's not guesstimating about what God's like. He knows what God's like. And he says, the Spirit of God comprehends the thoughts of God. In 2 Corinthians, the next letter that Paul writes to this church, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, Paul says, The grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God. Distinct persons, inseparable, one God. Glorious, beautiful, complex, spiritual being who is the author of life and the one who we... We bow before, he's the Lord Almighty. Paul says in the same breath, Father, the, 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 the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, Jesus the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, his spirit with you. That, that is significant in as much as, he's not saying the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the Archangel Michael. He's, he's not saying that. He doesn't say the grace of the Lord Jesus, uh, the love of God, and my mate Dave. He doesn't say that. He says, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God be with you. It's significant. Now, many of us will be going, Phil, I know this. I've been a Christian for years. This isn't new to me. Congratulations. Um, Philippians 3, your Apostle Paul, he's writing to a church in Philippi, a group of disciples, and he says, it's good for you to hear me say the same thing. It's good for you and it's safe for you for me to repeat. So this morning, a lot of this is just going to be repeating. It's good for us. It's good for us. This has got to sit in our hearts. And this morning, we're looking at the Spirit of God who's been given to us, which is absolutely astonishing. But it's important and I think it's important because I think even in the church, friends, I think there's a growing anxiousness and cynicism about the work of the Spirit. And I wonder how God feels about that. 
I just think it grieves his heart. Because I think we go, yeah, I'm okay with Jesus. I understand him. He's a person. I understand the Father concept of God being Father of all. Yeah, I get that. The Spirit of God, though. Hmm. I'm not entirely sure. I think in the church there's a growing uncertainty and anxiousness about the Spirit of God. But it's the Spirit of God himself who wants to come and make you alive and help you enjoy life in all its fullness. And part of that means enjoying the fellowship of the Holy Spirit the Apostle Paul is talking about in this verse. And that means there's going to be some kind of effect knowing God through the Spirit of God being at work in our hearts that does something. And I think much of us go, oh, but I'm not sure I want that something because I don't know what that looks like. And I want, to, I want to say to us this morning, friends, this is so important. This is so important that we don't start going, Jesus I get, the Father I get, but the Holy Spirit, oh, I just kind of shelve that a little bit. This is God we're talking about, isn't it? This is God we're talking about. So who is the Spirit of God? Let's whiz back a moment uh, to creation. We've got Genesis 1. Genesis 1, verse 1 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was hovering over the face of the deep, was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I think very often we come to this count and we go, yeah, um, Jesus in the Gospel of John is, is, we know he's the Word of God, the very Word of God sent forth in a being, the eternal Son, and he's with the Father creating. And we get to this bit where it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and we... You say, I know what the Father and the Son were doing. I'm, I'm not entirely sure what the Spirit is doing. It's just kind of doing this hovering thing. Um, but I want to suggest to you, this is a glorious picture of God, Father, Son, and Spirit at work, creating at the beginning of all things. Nothing was, and then in a moment, God spoke, everything was. Father, Son, and Spirit involved in creation. I don't think the spirit was bored, just kind of roaming around. I've got not much to do. I think the spirit was involved in bringing life to the world that he was creating. John 3, the Gospel of John, tells us that we are made alive by the spirit. Jesus says, and I'll paraphrase it slightly, you can't be brought to life or made alive to God without the spirit. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. Go there, John 3. That's what it says. It's a work of the Spirit. The Spirit of God makes you alive so that you'd know Jesus, so that you'd know the Father sent the Son. That they, and then when Jesus was ascended, they sent the Spirit that we might know God, be made alive. Wow. Spirit of God comes. I make a Quick statement, this is a very obvious statement, though I guess perhaps if you're an atheist in the room you might disagree, but we're more than just meat on bones. We're more than just meat on bones stacked up with a strange jelly at the top that helps us do things, aren't we? We're more than that. We're more than electronic pulses just kind of firing all the time that cause us to be. We're more than that. 
The Bible says that we're, that we're, we're body, physical, and spirit. Non-physical. The Bible says that. So it is true of God. He's Father, Son, and Spirit. One God. Glorious. Glorious and profound and beautiful. He is Father, Son, and Spirit. And so the Spirit is given to the people of God. So the Word of God says the Spirit was given. Number one, the Spirit was given. Ezekiel 36, verses 22 to 27 say this. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, a soft heart. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God is glorious, very, very glorious. Ezekiel 37 verse 14, this is the, the next chapter, the valley of dry bones. And God says to Ezekiel, the prophet, speak to the bones. And, uh, and, he, and he prophesies, and he speaks to the bones and, and uh, in the vision, and the bones kind of attach sinew to sinew, and they, they, they stand up in their army. God says, this is my people. And, and, and they say, oh, but we're thirsty and, 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 we, and we're dried up and we've lost hope. And God says, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. The spirit of God. God's desire, his desire is to send himself, is to send the spirit for us to live, to come alive. Because without his spirit, we can't do anything. We can't do anything. But by his spirit, mercifully, he makes us alive. Why? God's spirit comes for his name's sake, because he's glorious. We just read that. And because of this, because his desire is for his glory. He gives us his spirit so that we might experience the goodness of God, yes. But so that he gets the glory. You might think, isn't that a little bit you know, narcissistic for God to send his spirit for his name's sake that we would give him glory? For everything else that is created, yes, it's narcissistic to, to seek your own glory. And, and, we, and we see this, don't we? We see this in our workplaces or in, in, in your schools or where you teach or at university. Those who are seeking glory for themselves but are obviously not perfect, you go, that's, that's obviously all wrong. And it's really, really unattractive. All you're doing is trying to get compliments from the other to, to puff yourself up to show how good you are. But you're not actually that good, no offence. So for everything that is created, that seeks their own glory, it's, it's ugly and it's all wrong. The moment you find out, actually, that person actually seemed really, really amazing and 
kind of worship that person. You come into a relationship that they're just like you. And you're not that impressive either. <laughs> I'm not that impressive either. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm the same as you. There is one being, though, who is perfect and holy, in whom there is no flaw, no imperfection. And for him to say it is for my honour that I will put my spirit in you. That is entirely appropriate. Because we give glory to everything, left, right and centre anyway. And he's saying, isn't it appropriate to give glory in the right direction to the right person? Paul, the apostle in Ephesians 2, says, by grace you've been saved. And so God reaches down in his grace for his name's sake and extends to us mercy. And I want to say to you, friends, the, the, isn't it, wouldn't it seem logical that the best thing would be for God to say, you can know me because he is the most glorious being. Wouldn't it be fitting and logical to say that the one who is absolutely glorious, the best thing for us, the most fulfillment for us, the most satisfaction in life, the greatest joy and pleasure we could experience would be to know the one who is without flaw and without imperfection. And so he says, I will give you my spirit. Praise God, he sent his spirit to cause us to be born again. Amen. Does anyone remember those um, WWJD wristbands? Give me a wave of your hand if you remember the WWJD wristbands. Quite a few people. The WWJD wristbands, for anyone who doesn't know what they are, it, the WWJD meant, stood for, what would Jesus do? And um, if you are, I don't know, a cool, hip Christian, uh, maybe in your t late teens and your 20s, some people are thinking it wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. I didn't have one, so you can't say I wasn't cool either. <laughs> you would wear this and, you know, walk around with your, what would Jesus do wristband. But I imagine that there's a few things that this wristband would do for you. It reminds you what, what Jesus is like. Wow. You know, praise God that he sent his son and that we get to know him through the spirit. Jesus is wonderful. We look at our wristband and go, Jesus is wonderful. You might look at your wristband and go, um, Jesus is wonderful. Uh, but now I'm reminded, what would Jesus do? I'm not currently doing what Jesus would do. So I should probably change my behavior. Or, or you'd look at your wristband and you'd know you weren't doing what Jesus would do and all you would feel is great condemnation because you're not doing what Jesus would do. I, um, I imagined the, the, what to, take, to take this one step further might be for me to give my children a WWDT wristband, which is a what would dad think wristband. <laughs> and uh, it might be akin to me saying, here, kids, I've made this really cool wristband. You'll probably wear this in your mid-teens and your 20s. Um, and say, there you go, there's my gift to you. And they'll walk around school thinking, what would Dad think? I can, you can just imagine it. This would be the worst thing, wouldn't it? You're at school and your friends are like, oh, what's, what's that on your wrist? Oh, it's the wristband to remind me of my dad. And it says, what would Dad think of me all the time, just doing what I'm doing. I'm sure there'd be a lot of disapproval or, you know. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it'd end in the bin quick, pretty quickly. Um, Jesus, the Father doesn't give us a 
what would God think wristband. He gives us his word to say, this is, this is how I want you to live, because I love you, because I care about you. But because he knows we're incapable of doing it, he says, I'm not going you know, to give you a wristband. I'm not going to give you the Archangel Michael. He can't change your heart. He can't change what's inside, what's going on, your desires. He can't do that. I'm not even going to give you something else. I'm going to send myself. I'm going to give you me. And so he sends himself. That's incredible, isn't it? That is absolutely incredible. God isn't stingy. He's not selfish. He's not aloof. He sent the Son to be executed because you deserve execution because you're, you're sick with sin, just like me. You know that you're not, you know that what you say, what you do, what you think, it's not always right. You know that. God says that's sin. I, I want you to be, I want you. I want you to not live in sin because your sin separates me from you and I love you so I sent my son to die for your punishment so that you could come to know me. God's not selfish or stingy. He gave his son. And Jesus ascends and he says, now you need my help. And so I'm going to give you my spirit. My appeal to us friends is that we wouldn't fill up on everything else in life trying to find joy. Don't, don't fill up on life everywhere else in the pursuit of finding joy. We do this. I do this. We're all prone and, and, and weak and... That's not to say there aren't wonderful things in the, in the world that God's created for you to enjoy. Yes, there are. But, but, but fullness of joy. Jesus, Jesus said this, fullness of joy. John 10. Life to the full comes from being in communion with the Lord, comes from knowing God. And he's made that possible because he's generous, because he's lavish, He's given you his spirit that you might know God and have joy to the full. How do I get joy? There, there. Know the Lord. Have communion, fellowship. Paul said it, we said it at the beginning. Paul said it. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians. So he's come, the spirit's been given that we might know and enjoy God. Jesus said, it's better that I go. And I think, I've scratched my head a few times thinking, was that right? Is it right? Is that really right? <laughs> Is it better that he went? Jesus said, it's better that I go. Jesus knew, it's better that I go. It is better for you that I don't stay so that we can send the spirit that you might know God and he can fill you. Jesus wasn't in any doubt about the statement that he made there. Friends, 
If you're experience, if you're currently thinking, I don't think that's true. I think I'd prefer Jesus. Then I want to suggest to you gently and lovingly, you need you need to ask the Spirit of God to fill you. If there's any doubt in your mind that it wasn't better for Jesus to go, but actually you'd prefer it if he had stayed, then I want to tell you, I want to appeal to you, you need to invite the Holy Spirit to fill your heart. Because it is better that Jesus went. Because you can know the Spirit of God with you. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus went so that they could send the Spirit so that you could know God. Not only that, but the Spirit of God changes us. Nothing else can change your mind, your heart, your desires. The Holy Spirit can. He came that we might... This is number two. Are we at number two or three? I don't know. He came that we might enjoy and know God. Romans 8 verse 15 says this. The spirit that you received brought about the adoption of sonship. In that old cultural context, sons gained the inheritance. It's not a sexist phrase. It's not disqualifying any women in the room. If you have been made alive by the spirit of God, you're a child of God and your inheritance is in him. And it causes you to cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So you can cry, Abba, Father. Galatians 4 verse 6, Paul says the same thing, pretty much the same thing. God sent the spirit of his son. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. If, if, if knowing God as Father is difficult, there's, a, there's probably a whole host of reasons why that's difficult. That's okay, I understand that. You know, complex history with fathers. God is good Father. He is the good Father. There's not another one. <laughs> Plenty of, yeah, I, think I'm, I think I'm okay. Uh, and I try hard. He is the good father. And he says, I put my spirit in you that you would know me as father. God is not stingy. He's not aloof. He's not selfish. He's given himself to us that we might know him as father. I hope that blows your minds. That you might know him as father. A father who loves you. Yes, the Spirit comes to go to work in our hearts to say, look, that's not okay that you act like that. It's not okay that you speak like that. It's not okay that you do those things. But he comes that you might know him as Father. I discipline my children because I love them. He comes to fill us, that we might know him as Father. More than that, what else does it say? Romans 5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. God's love has been poured into your hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to you. That you might know his love, his immense, immeasurable, unfaltering love towards you that meant Jesus died on the cross instead of you. 
God's love's been poured into your hearts through the Holy Spirit. If you don't know the love of God this morning, if you're a bit doubtful of the love of God this morning, don't be convinced by me. Lord, I pray you'd speak into our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd come and I pray you'd show people your love, your immense, immeasurable, unfathomable love, that we would get that in our hearts. It's what the Word of God says. He loves you. The Spirit himself, if you will let him. That's a big if, because it's up to you. It's up to you. He's not going to twist your arm. The Spirit himself, if you let him and invite him to, his desire is he wants to reveal to you the love of God, his immense love for you that says, I want to save you. You're lost and I want to save you. Maybe you've been found. Praise God, because it's his work of his kindness alone. If you know the Lord, he wants you to know his love. I'd love, um, love to invite the band back up. Um, but I want to I invite us to respond. And I know we do this lots and we say, now it's time for the response. Well, we're not going to change a habit, are we? Uh, unless it's a bad one. This is a good one. I want to invite us to respond. I am convinced, friends, fundamentally, this isn't Phil's strange con conviction of something. This is entirely scriptural. I am convinced, fundamentally, we were made to be worshippers. Maybe you're in a room and you think, yeah, I agree. But I'm more of a word kind of person. Worship's not really my thing. <laughs> and I want to provoke you and say, what are you going to do in heaven then? What are you going to do in the new heavens and new earth? Sit there with your hands in your pockets. That'd be boring. You were made to be a worshipper. We went to a conference, um, a Relational Mission, our family church's conference uh, a couple of weeks ago. And Tom Scrivens, one of the uh, guys from Ipswich, said, um, he said, um, you know, men go to football matches. Actually, women, congratulations, you're better at worshipping, I think, generally, than, than men, because men go... Oh, I'm not sure how to do this kind of love stuff. Um, but go to a football match and you'll get them jumping up and down, punching the air, shouting for their team. What I'm not saying is you have to be an extrovert. Don't hear me say that. I'm not saying that. But you were made to be a worshipper. So... We're going to respond, and I want to encourage you. Why don't you actively respond and say, Lord, maybe you don't know Jesus. Lord, if this is true, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to know you. 
You promised freedom. I want to know that freedom. You, you promised joy and life in all its fullness. I want to know that. If you know the Lord, why don't you say, fill me with your spirit that I might know the love of God. That I might know because your spirit testifies with my spirit that you're my father in heaven. I think I've said enough. Um, why don't we stand together? If you're able, you don't have to. But if you want to, why don't we stand? Um, I think uh, I started somewhere near the beginning saying I think there's a, an anxiousness sometimes about receiving the Spirit because you know you just stood there and you're thinking I'm not sure I really want to end up laughing uncontrollably or I, I, don't want, I don't want to be brought to tears or, or I don't want to shake or, <laughs> you know, you think about all these things and none of those things might happen. If I offered you a million pounds today and said you just got to do something a little bit weird, I'm pretty sure most of you would do it. Maybe I'm speaking to the wrong crowd. <laughs> there is fullness and freedom and eternal life, and joy, and hope, and peace, and purpose that comes from knowing him and encountering him. And he wants to bring you that hope and that joy and that peace. But that only comes if you let him. Maybe you want to see, receive the, the Holy Spirit afresh. Maybe something has, has stood out from this morning, from what I've said, and you just want to, you know, Jesus said, come to me if you're thirsty, and out of, your, out, of, out of your being will flow rivers of living water. It's all about the Holy Spirit in you. If you just want to know joy again, if you want to be filled again with his Spirit, why don't you just put out, put out your hands? Why don't you do something that says to the Lord, yeah, please, me. Yeah, I, I, I want to meet with you, Lord. That requires you to invite him. I'm going to pray and, uh, and then the band can lead us. Lord, I, we come before you, maker of the heavens and the earth and the stars and the asteroids and everything that is in the mountains and the depths of the sea. We come to you who is the creator of all things, who because in your love and mercy you've caused us to be able to come to know you for your name's sake because you deserve glory. Lord, I pray you'd come and, and set on fire again your people. Lord, I pray that those who are known by you, children, brothers and sisters in this room, those who love you, Lord, I pray that you would rekindle in our hearts a first love for you, Lord Jesus. Because there's no one greater than you. There's no one better. Lord, I pray you'd do that in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd come. I pray you'd come. Father, I pray you'd illuminate the things in our hearts that aren't that are out of key, that, you know, that, are, that are not okay. Lord, I pray you bring us to you. Holy Spirit, I thank you. That's what you do. You bring us to the Father, to the Son. We invite you. Come, Lord. Amen.